Hey, this is Shelly Zan, and this is the Impact Over Influence podcast. I hope that you receive whatever it is that God has for you today. Welcome back, everybody. Have you ever heard someone say, only God can judge me? Um, I have. I think I've probably even said it at one point in time. But if we really take the severity of what that means, we should be super concerned with the judgment that will come on us. And I'm not saying that from a condescending or a condemning way, but I'm just saying the reality is, and we're going to read some scriptures, that Jesus is the judge. That what man thinks of you, if people think so well of you, but yet God doesn't, that's important. And so the scriptures we're going to unwrap today is actually when Jesus wrote in the sand. You know, scripture does not tell us what he wrote in the sand. But the situation that we're going to unpack through the Gospel of John is going to make us understand, have a more clear and better view of Christ, and that we will all have to be judged by him one day. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10, Paul talks here about making it our goal because one day we all will appear before the judgment of Christ. As believers, we know that he has covered our sin, but yet we will answer for the things that we do. Do we understand that? Do we understand what that is? Does that give us encouragement to know like, okay, Lord, am I doing what you're asking me to do? Does it inspire you to seek him to do more or to make sure that what you are doing is still a calling from him and not just something that you're doing to please yourself or please other people? John 5, 27 tells us, Jesus says that the father granted the son authority to judge. That's his role. That's what Christ is going to do. And so to know that he died for us gives me all kinds of feelings, honestly, just to know that he gives so much abundance of grace and mercy, yet I want to be able to live a life and mature spiritually to where I don't require as much of it as I did at one time. But I also know that the more that we grow closer in our walks, the more conviction we're going to feel, the more refining is going to take place, the more purification. And, you know, I think that if we will look at that and realize that God doesn't ever take you out of somewhere not to put you somewhere else, okay? So I want to reiterate that before we even start. When he gives you salvation, he brings you from your life of sin, gives you a, now you are a new creation in him, the scripture says. So now what? Now we go into sanctification. Now we live in alignment with him. Now we seek his pleasure and not our own, okay? So that's what that is. So once God takes you out of something, it's not just like, whoo, okay, well, that's done. No, glory to glory. What's next? So as we go over these scriptures, Jesus is so awesome, <laughs> and this particular story we're going to read is really summed up at the very end. As most parables and even any kind of teachings throughout Scripture, Paul, Old Testament, doesn't matter, but they, ha- they, have, they su- are summarized. And so when we come to the end of this, I want for you to really be able to take like, okay, that was the point. But before I even go there, have you ever known of anybody that has done like a lot of wrong through your eyes? So, you know, I don't know what they've done, but in your eyes, you're just like, man, how are they just okay? How have they gone through so much loss? Or how have they committed so many felons? Or how have they gone through so many divorces? Or whatever. Whatever it looks like would be trying or testing times in your eyes. Yet you look at them and you're just like, man, they're just so good. And they just walk so free. Scripture tells us in John 8, 36, that who the sun sets free is free indeed. How do we get that? How do we walk in that? How do we obtain it? And only get it once, but actually keep it. 
Paul says we've been going over in Bible study Philippians, um, the whole book of Philippians, but we're right now we're in Philippians three. And somebody came up to me and, you know, we were talking in Bible study and she said, you know, everyone says hurt people, hurt people, which is true, but healed people, heal people, free people, free people. Just because it's a negative attribute doesn't mean that's what comes in as an infection. Instead, maybe we could spread stuff that's good. But in order to be able to activate the faith in other people, we have to be active in the word of God ourselves. And so when we read about this woman and we read what Jesus did for her, I hope that we understand that. But my point is Philippians 3, that's where I was at. Philippians 3, Paul writes, and he's like, look, forget about what's behind and press on towards the goal. Be so steadfast, be so focused, if you will. But in order to do that, we got to forget about this. Paul ends up telling all of them. He's like, look, I've been, if it comes to the law, I've been a good man, according to the law, right? He was a Jewish guy. He did all the right things. Yet when it came to sin, he persecuted Christians. So he can relate to the goody goods and he can relate to the worst of all worse. At the same time, I don't really know of anybody else that can say that. I know I can't. But to look at through the lens of Paul, when you study Paul and know who he is and what he did and the things he's proclaiming, he's like, look, none of it matters. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how bad you are. The point is that you forget all about you, take the focus off of you and instead realize I got a goal in Christ. I have a purpose that the promise has given me. I have something that I need to seek and press on for. And I can't stay thinking about these things. Instead, I have to focus on this. So it's about training. Straining to what, what is good. So that's, that's what I want us to think of today. When we talk about what Jesus wrote in the sand, realize the point of it. It doesn't matter what he delivered you from. That's great, but that can't be the stamp that you have on your shirt anymore. Instead, who I am in Christ, what I'm trying to do in his name, what he is asking me to do and giving me the spirit to be able to walk it out, actually. That's what's important. When you realize the grace and mercy of Jesus, then you really do want to go and sin no more. So I want to go ahead and I want to read this story in John 8. If your Bible does not have this story, I became aware. I've actually heard this my entire life. I grew up in a Baptist church and every single Easter we had a play. And I was in the play from a little girl to where when Jesus came out of the tomb and he's resurrected and he goes back, he this character, Jesus, he was actually the judge in our town. He would pick me up. And I looked so forward to this. It was like my 15 seconds of spotlight. But I remember that whole program as a little kid. And I remember every Easter, everyone in our town would come and they would gather and they would see the story of Jesus from birth to crucifixion and resurrection. And there was a time that this was actually acted out in this play. So the thought that this actually wasn't in all forms of scripture was very foreign to me. So if, if you are one of those people, I encourage you to read it. Read it for yourself. Anything you ever hear on Impact Over Influence, please read it for yourself. It's important because spirit, the Spirit of God gives authority and discernment and knowledge and wisdom His way, not just through my words. I pray that He used me as a vessel, but always want to encourage everybody to just read the Word. So John 8, I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 11 here, and we're just going to unpack this story, Okay. Just a little backtrack, um, the whole chapter of John 8 really is Jesus just reiterating the authority that he has, that they are confused by it. So all the, even Nicodemus comes in chapter 7, and he's a religious leader, okay? So the who's who's, the religious leaders, they're always wanting to trip Jesus up, y'all. They're always wanting to prove that he's wrong. 
you shouldn't heal people on the Sabbath. You shouldn't this. You're not that. You say this, but that's wrong because they had a bunch of head knowledge, but you see only a foot down from their head. They didn't have anything in their hearts. And when Jesus brings all of this to light, he's saying, I expose what's in your heart. And once they understand that, it's evident to everyone around them. So just to let you know, as this is happening, when Jesus is trying to be persecuted and they're trying to to stab him and test him and tempt him, he uses it to teach them. Can we do that in our lives? Instead of going into situations where we're like throwing bows, like you do this to me, I'm going to level up or even go harder than what you can to me. Instead, be like, you know what? You're coming against me for whatever, but I'm going to use this as a time to teach, as a time to really teach, to show the things of the one that give me has given me my knowledge and my freedom because those who are free by the Son are free indeed. Let's start confusing people, right? Like I want to. I want to be so much better in the way that I live my life and the fruits that I'm bearing that people are just like, how on earth is this the same person? That's the goal. Okay, John 8, y'all ready? Let's go. Then they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And then at dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. You see, adultery was thought of so differently because it was a sin against the body and against the heart and the mind. So it it, it seemed very intense, okay? So when you look at this, I don't want you to just see adultery. I want you to think of an intense sin. Because I don't care what we are, what the scripture says, as people, we want to level up. Okay, this sad sin's about a level one. This is a level 10. But I just kind of want, as long as I'm around a five or a seven, like, no, let's not look at that. But as we read this, I just want for you to see something of severity. Okay. Into verse three. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for then accusing him. Okay, so they find a woman that has sinned. They bring her to church, y'all. Bring her to church in front of all these people to accuse her and to embarrass her and to put her on the front line. Have you ever gone through something that you feel like everybody knew about it? Everybody was exposing a harmful, sad, humiliating moment in your life. It was all out in the open. That's what's being done to her. And they were using it as a way to trip him up. Why? Because the law, which we're going to read these verses in Deuteronomy where they got that, the law had told them this is the penalty for what she had done. But Jesus bent down and he started to write on the ground with his finger. Once you remember that, with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, they kept talking and talking. He straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who was without sin be the first one to throw a stone at her. Again, he stopped, stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first. Until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, now go and leave your life of sin. Okay. Brought to the front line. 
And when all of them start yakking and yakking and yakking, isn't that what people do that accuse you of stuff? It's like they never will be quiet. Like, why do you keep messaging me? Why do you keep talking to me? Why do you keep bringing this up? Have you ever felt like that? Maybe you've been that person. So all this is is going on. All of it seems kind of chaotic. Can you imagine her just like sitting there like, oh my gosh, like I clearly committed adultery, right? Sinned against my body. Sinned against someone else. Maybe broke up a home. I don't know what she did. But she's found guilty. Now, I don't know where the man was, but we ain't even going to get there. Like, where was he, <laughs> right? Why are we just bringing her? That's neither here nor there. But what Jesus does is he bends down and he starts writing with his finger. It doesn't say what he wrote. It doesn't. And then I want to tell you, too, as they all started to leave, it says the older ones left first. You see, the thing about it is the older you get, the more humble to me, we should get because we realize we have a lot more life to live. You know, it's easy to judge someone when you're 20 and you really haven't had a whole lot of life to mess up. But the older we get, we should get more wise. We should be able to recall like, wow, I've had to receive a lot of grace. So the older ones realize first like, oh, if that's what we're doing, then I'm going to get out of here. All to where they go, one at a time, one after another. Until no one's there. And Jesus, I mean, he, he notices, obviously. Jesus exposed their heart when he said, oh, well, all of y'all without sin, y'all go ahead, throw it. And they couldn't because he could look on the heart. He knew the sins that they bared also, even though it wasn't out in the open humiliating them like hers was. That's the Christ that we serve, y'all. To have our back and to stand there and say, you know what? I do know that you messed up and this is pretty awful. But I'm not going to throw shame at you like all them. Instead, I can throw a stone. Jesus was perfect. Jesus never committed sin. And he's the one that's like, look, I can throw a stone at you, yet I'm choosing not to. Instead, I'm writing with my finger. So I'm going to uncover some stuff to y'all that I found out that was really cool. Okay. And I just wanted to kind of reiterate, Jesus isn't just dismissing her crime here. Sin is very serious to Christ. Why? Because he had to pay for it, y'all. He paid for your sin. He paid for my sin. And it was not cheap. But the grace that he gives is what's free. Okay, so I want to point out a few things. So we're going to go Old Testament. If you, um, First thing I want to point out that is super cool. In the book of Exodus, this is actually just really, really stood out to me. Because I got to thinking, they were talking about, well, the law of Moses tells us to do this. That's what made them realize, well, we're going to trip him up. Because we know what the law says is a penalty for this action. So if he thinks he's a man of God and he has all this authority, why would he go against the word of God? Jesus never goes against the word of God. The spirit never goes against the word of God. And God never goes against his own word. Okay? So they're trying to trap him. They're trying to to say that he's wrong. But this is where they're getting this from. But the first thing I want to, before I read that, I want to read Exodus 31, 18. And this is the law that was given to Moses. So everything that they're standing on, right? All of their judgment by the law. This is how it was given to them through Moses, right? On Mount Sinai. But I want to point out something real quick. 3118 says, when the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. So whenever I was reading the scripture that he wrote with his finger in the sand, 
I don't know what he wrote. But what would his finger write in the sand to you? What would that be to you? What kind of intimate moment do you think that he would give you? Because what I'm showing you is, is that if the finger of God is what gave the law, yet when Jesus came, he came to fulfill the law. He gave us a new covenant to cover us with his blood. And as he writes in there, the law says that they should stone you. But my finger is also the finger of God. And I say that my grace is sufficient. Do we understand that that's the gospel, y'all? That is what saves us. People ask all the time, what do you mean Jesus saves? Jesus saves. I have a t-shirt that says Jesus saves. I'm going to tell you what, because his finger wrote in the sand for me. His finger wrote in the sand for things that I did deserve to pay a penalty for. I did do the wrong. But he says, I came to fulfill the law to where everything that you should get as a penalty, everything that should come upon you, that should ruin you and cause you not only humiliation, it should cause you a penalty of having an eternity in hell. But I'm going to cover that for you because I love you. That is why we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ because he gives us remission. He removes our transgressions just like he did hers that day. So I just, that was big to me. Maybe it's not big to you, but that's pretty cool that the finger of God wrote on the first tablets of the law and Jesus used his finger. He could have used the stick, but he didn't. He used his finger. Now I want to point out to you why they think that what they are doing is right because humans always want to justify the things that we do. Okay, so stoning, where they get the grounds for stoning. In Deuteronomy 17, I don't want to paraphrase this, but I just need, I'm just going to tell you how this gets talked about. Okay, 17.2, if a man or a woman living among you in one of the towns the Lord gives you is found doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, that is sin. If any man or woman among you is found doing sin, your God in violation of his covenant and contrary to my command has worshiped other gods, bowing down to them, to the sun or to the moon or to the stars in the sky. And this has been brought to your attention. They must investigate it thoroughly. If it is true and it has been proved and a detestable thing has been done in Israel, take a man or a woman who has done this evil to the city gate, the place of humiliation, and stone them. And the first ones to throw the first stones are the two witnesses that say this is what they've done. That's where they get that. So if we look back at it, we're like, okay, this is talking about what they're worshiping. If they're caught in the wrong, looking at the sun, the moon, and the stars, okay, let's just put that as things God has created. If they are worshiping things God has created and not God, then they are in the wrong and they are going to serve a penalty of being stoned to death. Then I want to ask you and I, do we worship things that God has created more than God? Yeah. Our world endorses serving things that God created instead of the creator. It's ungodliness in this world. We're going to read about it in Romans in a little bit too. But as I read that, I'm just like, okay, that's grounds for that, according to the old law. Yet we see people do it all the time. They worship their homes. They worship their jobs. They worship their spouse. So if we think about that and we see the severity of it, 
in, in what scripture says, why don't we see it this day and time? You know, we place so many things above him. We put so many things before him. And it's just like, what gives us the right to do that? What makes us want to seek these things above him? But when it came to that, I just wanted to point that out and to just make it make us all realize that if that's the grounds we, we want to say, and this story talks about adultery, but yet that was grounds for the exact same sin. That's what I'm telling y'all, that when we come, when it, this whole podcast is about how Christ is the only one that can judge. He's the only one that can throw a stone and he doesn't. But yet we do it to each other all the time. We categorize someone else's sin as ours isn't as bad, so we're okay. Instead of being like, no, Lord, like, I feel like you're convicting me. I want to be free from this. I want to have newness of life. I want to have exceedingly abundantly what you want for me. So back to the scripture in John 8, he ends this and he sums it up. And I said earlier, he doesn't dismiss the crime and he wasn't taking her sin lightly, y'all. He wasn't saying like, this doesn't matter. Just go and go live. Instead, he tells her, now go and leave your life of sin. We know that scripture says in the most famous chapter in John 3 that God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. Yet we condemn the world. We condemn each other. We condemn our government and we talk bad about our job and we talk bad about our spouse and we condemn, condemn, condemn. Yet Christ didn't. Instead, he gave encouragement to be righteous, to say, look, this is done. No one's stoning you and neither am I. And I have the authority to, but I'm not. But go and sin no more. So many times in my life, I, I, that was the part that I forgot about. And that's what I'm saying. Whenever we leave, sal- get out of salvation, there's still work to be done. But we forget about that. Instead, we're like, oh, yeah, we're good. Going to heaven. Made it. Instead of being like, okay, no, now I need to become in the likeness of Christ. That is the go and sin no more. Not just because we have a way to pay for it now. Because why? Because of what 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10 said. Because one day we will appear for Christ and have to answer for the things that we do. It's just that hell isn't the penalty. So as we think about that, that's why that comes. And for so many years, y'all, when I was just, Leal was, I was saved, but he wasn't the Lord of my life. I'm like, man, I just continue to do these things because the go and sin no more is something that I, I, it wasn't heavy for me. And I pray that it gets heavier for all of us, not so that we feel condemned, but so that we see conviction for what it is and realize that we don't want to stay there. Why? Because free people can free people. That's why we want to be free. Jesus just points out, he's making it just like scripture tells us in Romans, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus fulfilled the law by proving to them that day that all had gone against it. Everyone's standing there trying to accuse her. They've all gone against the law in some form or fashion too. He could look on the heart. So as he looks on our heart, is it easier for us to give people grace and say, you know what? I get that you're doing that. I don't want to be a part of it, but I'm not going to judge you for it because... That's not my place. And thank God it's not, y'all. Thank God that we are not the judge. I really do. If you are a judge of the judicial court system in America, I really do pray for you. Because that's so heavy to know. Or or serving on a jury, whatever. Like These are things that we should take serious as part of being citizens of the United States because it's heavy. It's heavy. 
And there's people that don't get what they deserve, and there's people that get more than what they deserve. I don't want to be, that's just scary to me. But I want to read a verse for you real quick. In 1 Peter 2, 24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, because by his wounds we have been healed. Jesus Christ took on everything that she did that day, everything that I've done, everything that you've done, and he literally paid for it on the cross so that we could have freedom, so that we could be healed, so that we could have a way to not give into it anymore. That's what he paid for. So what for about what do we say then for the person who's listening? That it's kind of like me and is like, well, I feel like I'm good for a little while and then I go back and then I go back and I haven't said a cuss word in however long, but then I got mad or, oh, I haven't, whatever it is for you. I don't want to start naming off a bunch of sins because you know your own. And if you don't, I'm praying that the spirit right now give you some insight on that. But what do we say for that then? I have some encouragement. First Corinthians chapter 10 Paul writes about this to be able to give some instruction. All right, I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses, I'm going to do 12 and 13. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So if you think you're just living righteous, you're doing the thing, okay, cool. But just make sure that you don't fall because no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide you a way out. So if you feel like, man, I feel like I'm good for a while, but then I'm not. Guess what? You're getting too comfortable standing firm and you're falling. Instead, realize what makes you be firm in the first place. Where are you obtaining that self-control, that discipline, the fruit of the spirit? I'm going to go read that in Galatians 5 in a minute. But you're being able to be okay. But then it says, but be careful. Don't let a day by day go by because the enemy is standing at the door waiting for you to let your guard down. He's waiting for you to open a window. He's waiting on you to leave a door cracked. He's waiting for it. And guess what? He's going to take the opportunity because that's what he does. So when these verses tell us right there to encourage us, so if you think you're doing good, okay, good. Keep doing good, but be careful. Be careful. And then we know that, hey, no temptation can overtake us except what is common to man. I'm going to read to you some that are common to men. When it says mankind, he's talking about the flesh. Here in Galatians 5, I'm going to tell you, this is what's common to mankind. This is what's common to the flesh. 519, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, sleeping with people, okay? Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, putting anything before God. All the things we talked about earlier, seeking things, that's what they were doing back in the Old Testament. That's what was causing them to be stoned is idolatry. Witchcraft, hatred. I want to, a few weeks ago I was speaking somewhere and whenever I was reading that hatred, the Lord really spoke to me because he said, you know, a lot of people read that and they feel like, well, I don't have hatred toward anyone. I don't have hatred, but yet they despise themselves. When they look in the mirror, that can be self-hate. Self-hate. And you know, whenever we come off of an embarrassing situation, kind of like the woman that was being accused that day in front of everyone in the church, 
the shame that can take over can cause self-hate. The enemy is going to use that too. So when Jesus says, now go live your life of sin, I definitely believe he's speaking into even the sin she can commit based off of her shame. Because the enemy is a deceiver. So when we read that, to know that our flesh is always wanting to have hatred, that can even mean self-hatred. Discord, all right? Fighting amongst people. You always got an issue with somebody. Always got an issue with somebody. You're always offended. Causing discord. Division. Jealousy. Fits of rage. Selfish ambition. Do you spend more money on yourself and more time on yourself than anything else? Selfish ambition, always wanting for you to be the first, always wanting for you to sell the most, always wanting for you to have the the pay raise. Selfish ambition, always wanting your kid to be the starter on the team. Selfish ambition, like, I don't know, I'm just trying to name some stuff. But I'm just saying, are you always about self, self, self? Dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, that was a big one for me. Orgies and the like, I warn you as I did before. That those who act like this won't inherit the kingdom of God. Our flesh is always wanting these things. And if you think that it's not, you're lying to yourself. And so because we are still people, because I read those that verse right there in 1 Corinthians 10, and I want to go back to it, no temptation can take you over except what is common to man, except for these things that are common to flesh. And because when we receive Jesus, we get we gain the spirit, but our spirits don't automatically go to heaven, right? Because we're still in the flesh, meaning we will always continue to fight our flesh. So when Jesus comes to her and he's like, look, now go and sin no more. Now go and don't give into your flesh anymore. Stay away from it. Why? Because in me, when you are tempted, I will also provide for you a way out. He doesn't, he says when you are tempted, he doesn't says if you are tempted. We're all going to have to constantly fight these things, y'all. But I love, I love, I love Romans 8.1. It says there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. I'm not telling you this so that we should keep on sinning and think, well, he wrote in the sand for me. No, realize the penalty that was truly paid. Take a hold of it. Let it encourage you and let it ignite something in you. To when you see someone hurting or living a certain way that you just, you mourn for them because you want them to have the freedom that you do. May you display the freedom that Christ has given you, just like we read in those verses, because who the sun sets free is free indeed. May that be a staple verse for you, not to just encourage you guys, but I mean to live by, to take serious, to have in our hearts, to have it guide us to where when we realize and we observe the grace and we give the gratitude to God that he deserves, sin's second priority, y'all. That's how it's supposed to be. And there's nothing that the enemy's ever going to throw at you or then that your flesh is going to throw at you, that God's not going to be right there and say, hey, look, in me, you can tell this thing no. In me, there's another way. In me, you don't have to fight back like you used to. In me, you don't have to give in to temptation like you used to. In me, you don't have to keep answering that phone call knowing good and well that's leading you to the wrong way. I pray this encourages you. I pray that you send it to somebody, that you reach out to us if you want any more insight on any of these verses. I'm excited for this episode because, guys, Jesus died on the cross so that we could all be free. That's what it's all about. That is the promise of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for listening, and I encourage you that you can have a relationship with the one that created you. So spread Jesus. Jesus.